AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Before we begin this week's episode, please make sure to support the PHG podcast by clicking the Patreon link in the short notes. Once you click the link, you'll be able to see the different tiers and what comes with it. Over the past couple of days, um, I had a lot of Patreon members that signed up for the Patreon account. So shout out to Zenobia and Kanisha for showing support as always. Thank y'all for holding me down. Oh, and don't forget to leave a five-star review if you're listening to this on your iPhone on the Apple Podcast app. So thank y'all for holding me down. And until next time, later. Welcome. You are now listening to The Professional Homegirl. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the PHG Podcast. It's your girl, Ebony, and like always, I am super excited about this week's episode. Uh, before we begin, let's do some housekeeping. Please make sure to follow me on Instagram at the Professional Homegirl, at the PHG Podcast, and at Ebony Beauty. Follow me on Twitter at T-H-E-P-H-G underscore. Show the website some love at www.thephgpodcast.com. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or you just want to say hey, girl, hey, please make sure to email me at hello at thephgpodcast.com. If you are listening to this episode on an iPhone, please make sure to leave a five-star review at the bottom of 
the page. The podcast has grown with over 100 five-star reviews, and I have so much in store, but I cannot grow it without my professional homegirls. And also, shout out to the niggas that's listening to the podcast as well. I appreciate y'all, and I see y'all. My nigga listenership is growing, so thank y'all for listening and tuning in. Last but not least, I need y'all to support the PhD podcast by becoming a patron at www.patreon.com. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash the PhD podcast. There are four different tiers ranging from $3 to $20. I have some really dope stories that I've been working on, including a documentary, but I need y'all to support the kids. So hold me down. Don't hold me up. Niggas, those that's been sliding in my DMs, open up that wallet (laughs) and show me some love and support me. Um, The link will also be available in the show notes. So please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous. So let's begin this week's episode. So to my guests, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Feeling good. How are you? I'm good. You know, I just clocked out, so couldn't be even more happier. (laughs) Oh, there you go. There you go. (laughs) So I am a huge advocate for therapy and I'm so elated to have you on the show to shed light on sex therapy so once again thank you so much for coming to the PhD podcast you're welcome I'm very glad to be here so what is sex therapy well sex therapy is psychotherapy or talk therapy and it is um, focused on generally sexual dysfunction but also other issues related to sexual identity. Um, and often sex therapy is not, it doesn't exist by itself. It's in uh, conjunction with relationship therapy of some sort. A lot of my clients may come in for issues related to sexuality, specifically if they're in relationship. And uh, it always goes into dealing with uh, their relationships and how it can impact their sexuality and vice versa. So in what ways is sex therapy beneficial? It can be beneficial in a lot of different ways. Um, Just thinking about the clients that I serve, I work with individuals and those in all types of relationships. Mm -hmm. And so because sexuality is so expansive, it's not just one thing. Uh, We think about identity. We think about um, the way that we interact with each other. And we also think about how it plays with um, our various faith backgrounds. Um, And so going to sex therapy can help you with the sexual dysfunctions that I mentioned earlier. But also I tend to work with some individuals who may come to me for depression or anxiety, but they identify on the spectrums of sexuality or uh, whether that's a gender identity and or even they may be polyamorous and they want a therapist who understands other aspects of themselves and they don't have to educate their therapist uh, with my training. I'm kind of already familiar with some of those different things. And so uh, it can be beneficial to help individuals deal with things that they're uh, struggling with, whether that could be inability to orgasm or uh, rapid ejaculation, other sexual dysfunction, or just living in this world. Right. You know, it's, it's tough right <laughs> well, now. I got a question about it that. Is tough there's a lot going on right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. 
So I know that you've been in the mental health field for quite a while now. So what made you decide to become a sex therapist? Well, it all started with a, a very random conversation walking on campus with my line sister, my sorority sister. Um, and it was probably maybe junior year of college. And we were just talking about uh, different things that we wanted to do. We both knew we were going to go to grad school, um, but just, you know, thinking what route to take. And so I was thinking about marriage and family therapy. And we went to St. Louis uh, University for undergrad uh, here in St. Louis, Missouri. And they had a joint uh, Master of Social Work and uh, Master of Divinity or Master of Arts and Pastoral Studies program. And I was looking at that and maybe doing marriage and family therapy. And she said, well, I think I want to be a sex therapist. I said, a who? A what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that really just planted the seed for um, exploring it further because I really didn't you know, know much about what sex therapy was. And so we ended up going to uh, graduate school together. Actually, me and uh, three of my line sisters went to Washington University in St. Louis to the mm-hmm. Master of Social Work program. And uh three of us took uh, the human sexuality class with uh, a woman who's one of my mentors now, who uh, was my professor and she's a sex therapist in the St. Louis area. And it really just opened my eyes. It was like, oh, wow, this is interesting. Now I wasn't quite ready yet, but it was like, okay, (laughs) this is, this is something. Let me keep this in the back of my head. And so when I uh, started my career, I was a hospital a social worker working in psychiatry. and mm-hmm. But sex therapy, it, it was just still there. It was always in the back of my mind. And then I um, went to the Conference for the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. It was in uh, St. Louis in 2006. And uh, that really opened my eyes. It was like, whoa, this is okay. I think this is something. <laughs> do I felt a little intimidated by the field at first uh, because it was well a few different reasons one it was very white when I went to the conference Mm. there were not a lot of people that looked like me so um, being very young in the field um, just in you know as a very young professional and then also uh, the certification was very expensive and I don't know if you know much about social workers but we don't often go into this field to make money so right <laughs> yeah I really like, like the job yeah, straight up straight up um and so as a young professional not making a lot of money not having any real connections in the field and not seeing anyone that looked like me it really made me question is this something that's available to me mm-hmm. and um I continued to kind of keep it on the back burner, but it remained a an interest for me, specifically uh, doing sex therapy from a Christian perspective. And uh, I went back to the conference and, and saw some more people who looked like me and felt a little bit uh, more at home and made some connections and started my um, process towards certification and just really got a lot of uh, education made a lot of connections with people in the field and here I am today. (laughs) Wait, so do you specialize in anything in particular? Well, so most of my training is sexuality and relationship therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I do have um, some 
background in theology. I was a theology minor in undergrad and I've also taken, yeah, you know, you know, people (laughs) like paper, people like sheets of paper. And so, um, yeah, straight up. And so I also um, took a few seminary classes just to have the, um, the foundation to provide therapy from a Christian perspective, if it is requested by my clients. And sometimes it is. And even, even if it's not when I work with clients who come from uh, some type of faith background, when they're able, when, when they want to reference thing, I can give some, some, um, some framework and a safe space for them to kind of wrestle with scripture and what does it say and what does that mean to me? Um, I provide therapy that is affirming, not just accepting. So that Mm -hmm. means that I affirm your existence as God's creation. I don't think that you're a mistake. I don't think that um, who you love and um, how you identify is anything against uh, how God created you. Even if you were um, the gender that you were assigned at birth is not the gender uh, that you currently identify, I don't think that's a mistake. I think that's how, you know, God intended for you to be, even even with wrestling with that. And I think that we can um, learn to accept and affirm mm-hmm. each other's existence as God's creation. Um, and so, like I said, I, I work with individuals and those who um, are in all types of relationships as well as those who identify along the spectrums of gender identity and sexuality. Um, and, you know, a lot of these folks go to church and they love the same God and the same Jesus I do. Okay. And so, I, yeah, and I, um, like I said, I have an affirming space, not just accepting. Because, you know, some churches will be like, we accept everybody. And then they'll have hey, a sermon. <laughs> Listen, they now have a servant telling folks that they're, they're going to hell because of who they love. I'm like, nah, that ain't it. That ain't it, right. homie. Um, well, that's one reason why I really like your blog. I read her entire blog. And if you, for those who are interested in reading her blog, please make sure to email me at hello at the phgpodcast.com. But I really like your blog because I liked how you connected certain Bible scriptures with things that people go through right now. And I think mm-hmm. that's why... I think I was so drawn to you because I'm like, oh, this is relatable. Like I can understand even more. So I thought that was pretty dope. Thank you. Thank you. I haven't written in a while, but um, like I've had a lot of life changes that kind of took me from writing and uh, doing some creative things I was doing, but I'm hoping to get back to it. But uh, yeah, like really making God's word relatable is a passion of mine. I'm not a minister, but I think that we all have opportunities to minister. Mm. And I think that my my way of doing that is through therapy. You know, it, my place ain't in the pulpit, but um, in my office, I make sure that it is an affirming space, an accepting space, a space that you feel safe to share and uh, and grow. And sometimes growth ain't comfortable. Right. It's all right, uh, child. Listen, listen. <laughs> but but I hope to provide a safe space where you can wrestle with those things. Are there any misconceptions about being a sex therapist? Oh, child, yes. So um <laughs> <laughs> so I um I I grew up in church 
And um, when people are like, oh, she's a sex therapist, they're like, wait, what? So right. a lot of times people, they they don't understand that sex therapy or sexuality and relationship therapy is talk therapy. Um, and I explain, you know, I'm not a sex worker, although I'm not down to sex workers because it's valuable work, but, but that's mm-hmm. not my lane. And so I, I explain I'm doing talk therapy. Um, I'm giving homework assignments. We're not doing that stuff in my office. Um, right. You know, as part of my code of ethics, I'm not touching nobody. Um, but <laughs> right, right. But I may give you assignments where you're touching yourself or you and your partner are touching each other or whatever. But like, we're not doing none of that in my office. So that that's probably the biggest misconception um, mm-hmm. that uh, I'm having sex with clients. And it's like, nah, that ain't, that ain't it. Um, right. <laughs> so that's one. Another one is that um, people will assume certain things about my own sexuality because I'm a mm. sex therapist. So um, when I, uh, I'm a, I'm a, widow my husband passed away about four years ago and so when oh, I started wow. so when I, which is kind of why I haven't written I haven't done videos and stuff yeah. like that it was great um but when I decided to start dating again I purposefully did not tell people I was a sex therapist because guys would have to think oh you were sex therapist so you were free and it's like I mean mm-hmm. I might be that ain't for you so okay yo niggas <laughs> love trying it listen one thing they always got is the audacity okay the nerve the nerve the unmitigated gall listen <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um so that's another misconception too like people have certain assumptions about my own sexuality because of the type of work that I do um, so when I did start dating, I would say I'm a relationship therapist, or I'll just say I'm a, a therapist or a psychotherapist because, you know, let's work through some other stuff first before we get to that. Right. Um, how important is it for like churches and other faith communities to discuss sex and sexuality in a healthy way? Oh, we, oh, we, Jesus. It is, and it is imperative. Right? It is imperative. Um, I think about how so many people have learned so many negative things about sex and sexuality that we end up wrestling with in my office. For example, Mm. um, there's one uh, person who is pretty well known in some uh, Christian circles and she recently put something about how she felt that oral sex was nasty and dirty. And if he's hitting it right, he doesn't need to lick it. So like, girl, okay. First of all, you tripping. Second of all. Yeah, you ain't gonna be hitting if you ain't gonna be licking it now. Girl, listen. (laughs) And and so like, honestly, taking it to basic anatomy, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Helping people to understand that the clitoris is where it's at. Most people with vulvas need to have some type of clitoral stimulation in order to have an orgasm. And through penetrative penis and vagina sex, a lot of times you're not getting that clitoral stimulation. And so 
Uh, yeah. Now you may get some clitoral stimulation because the clitoris kind of, it has legs that extend around the vaginal opening and extend back. Like you're getting some, but you know, a lot of folks with vulvas need direct stimulation and that's not happening, you know, usually during, uh, during penis and vagina intercourse. So, um, that just like basic anatomy, explain it to you how your body works. And then also, like, if you want to go to scripture, thinking about how Psalm 139 talks about how you were wonderful. Come on, made. word. Get, Yo, gotta, you about to get these people alive. <laughs> <laughs> get them together. Go ahead. Go ahead. Start back up. What's the, what's the um, where you, where you quoting from? Psalm 139. That's the, that's the Psalm that talks about how, you know, you're knitted in your mother's womb and mm. you're, you're wonderfully, beautifully created. Right. And so, mm. um, if God created me, God also created my clitoris. And the thing about mm. the clitoris is that it is the only part of our body that is made specifically for pleasure. It serves no other purpose. And so I think about within most churches, most messages we get about sex don't focus on pleasure. They focus on how sex is something that should be within the confines of marriage don't have it until you get married because God will not be pleased with you. And God may not honor your marriage if you have sex before. And so mm. we have all these negative messages. And what I see, you know, whether it's in my office or just talking with friends that had similar backgrounds, we get these messages that sex is bad. Sex is bad. So you may wait until you get married and then you get married, but there's no magical switch that says sex is good and I can swing from the chandelier. How I'm a swing from the chandelier. You ain't taught me how to swing. You ain't taught me how to stretch. Uh, <laughs> no, to get you ready. You taught me how to prep. Listen. Listen, listen, you ain't taught me nothing about it, but I'm just expected. And then it's that other message of, well, if you don't have sex with your husband, he'll find somebody else that will. And it's just mm. like, uh, we, we learn so many negative things about sex, but nothing about honoring this wonderful gift of God, nothing about honoring or, or understanding how our bodies work so that we can enjoy it. Um, yeah. So it, it's so important that we have messages that within our faith communities that are focused on pleasure, that are focused on uh, the gift that sexuality is, and that it, it, it is not just penis and vagina. We got a whole body, a right. whole body, you know? Not a half, a whole a body, whole, A whole body, <laughs> right, 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 right. So, so yeah, it's it's imperative that we talk about it in safe spaces that um that honor the gift. But why do you think God is taken out out of the equation when it comes to sex? Oh, it's a few different reasons. So um, some of this is fresh because I just uh, finished writing a book chapter um, for a book that is a. a every chapter is written by a person of color and it's specifically about sex therapy. And so my chapter talks about um, sexuality and Christianity and really embracing the erotic, embracing eroticism, looking at Audre Lorde's work. And so. Mm -hmm. um, Make sure you send that to me when it's done, please. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I think that, and, and it goes back to, 
um, the church fathers and when Christianity was shared. And so if you look at uh, pre-Christian Judaism, the body was not so separate from the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we it, it was like one one being like there there were certain parts, but it wasn't that um, your body is wicked. So mm-hmm. when Christianity began to be spread, you'd look at like uh, the church fathers, St. Augustine, but also looking at the philosophies of the day, which were impl- influenced by Platonic and Neoplatonic thought. And so that thought really separated. It, it was the idea that in order to be closer to God, you had to be further away from your body or further away from your flesh. And mm. in doing that, that's why it's, I, I think that's one thing that really influenced how we think about God and why it is so hard within Christianity for us to marry the two, to understand that sexuality and, and expressions of your sexuality can be a divine experience. Um, the only I don't want to say the only time, but a lot of times I hear it in a negative sense. Like people talk about soul ties and that ain't biblical. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, that that's where we hear about it. Right. You know, that's right. spiritual experience. And if you have sex with this person and it's not, you know, your mate or the person God intended for you, then you're connected to them forever. Um, and every other person that they've had sex with. And like I said, that ain't biblical. Like it, some people think it sounds good. You know, some people have built their entire ministries on this idea, but it ain't biblical. And so, um, yeah, it, it goes back to when Christianity began to be spread, the thought and the philosophy at the time was platonic and neoplatonic thought, and it separated the body from the divine. Um, and yeah, that, that's where it stems from, but we just kind of kept rolling with it. Before I look at my next question, I'm just curious, do you receive a lot of slack? Um, maybe not to my face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, um, honestly, a lot, I've, I've gotten a lot of support that I was because you know you know your shit so yeah thank you thank you um but yeah I've received a lot of support which I I was surprised to receive specifically within the church and so um there are a few organizations that I'm involved with like one um which is a youth organization and Mm. they because I grew up in the organization they trust me and they right. know I see the same God as them. So it's like, okay, I trust that what you're going to say to these kids is going to be fruitful. And then and the fa- one of the founders of the organization, um, I know she may have received some pushback for uh, talking about sex and sexuality or having me talk about it. But she said, well, I'll, I'll never forget that she said, I'm tired of burying my babies from having HIV. Listen, and- what? So... Like, yeah, I'm going to tell them, you know, I I believe the Bible says you should wait until you're married to have sex, but they not waiting. And so obviously we need to talk about it. And and Mm -hmm. I was like, right on. So I I will say that whenever I speak to various groups, specifically uh, faith organizations, I make sure that my message is respectful of the 
messages of that church or of that ministry. However, I'm always 100% true to myself and true to my own message. So if... Yeah, I like that. Um, thank you. So, for example, I know that some organizations talk about abstinence and, um, you know, they may believe that that's, you know, the plan that you should follow. So if they're bringing me in to do some type of workshop or education or whatever, I'll go along with... Um, not necessarily go along with, I will respect their constraints. Um, Mm. But if someone asks me a question, I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So I I agree. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm always true to myself, but I'm, I'm also Mm -hmm. respectful of the house. Because you don't have to comment, but if somebody asks you a question, you're gonna have to say something. Uh yeah. And and oftentimes, so specifically with that youth organization, um, if I got asked a question um that where I know my answer would probably be very different than what they're taught at their church, I would encourage them or um I would encourage them to do some self-study to study to show yourself approved. Um, I would encourage them to talk with their faith leaders about what it is that, you know, they believe at their church, but then also to go back to the word for themselves and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of wrestle with that. I think some, um, unfortunately, some places of worship do not encourage self-study. It's just like, you know, mm-hmm. hey, just say at this and this is what we're going to go along with. I don't right. agree with that. I think that you need to study and educate yourself um, so that you can come up with your own understanding of things. I think it's important to have good and clear direction because sometimes mm-hmm. like we can go astray. However, um, if you have the ability to read and understand and comprehend, then I think that you should use that. So, Listen, yeah. you know, some people that's covering the blood of the lamb don't be playing now. <laughs> Listen. They get real particular. Thank you. <laughs> so a lot of my listeners were feeling to ask you all these crazy questions. Mm-hmm. But before we jump into the juicy stuff, um, one thing that I really like about your blog is how you promote the importance of being comfortable in your own skin. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure you do that with your clients as well. So why is that important, especially when engaging in sex with someone? I think a lot of times... People are taught that specifically women within faith communities are taught that um, you really don't have to explore your own sexuality because when you get married, your husband will know what to do. Um, However, we know that to not be true, right? Um, It's important Mm -hmm. that you know your body. You live in this house. It mm-hmm. doesn't make sense for you not to know where the outlets are. Listen. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you gotta, you gotta know what turns you on, what turns you off, what um, what you like, what you might like, what you might be open to, what you oh. might not be open to, and all of that, um, so that you can teach your partners how to love you and love on you mm. and make love to you. Um, not just expecting your partner to figure it out by osmosis. We have mm-hmm. words, 
and we can use them, you know? And um, I think that unfortunately, a lot of times we're expecting our partners to be mind readers and life don't work like that. Um, Our partners are not always as intuitive. So we have to be very clear about, okay, you know, I don't like when you touch me this way, but I really like when you touch me this way. And so it's important to be comfortable at home mm-hmm. in your body. To, to, and, and also another thing, being present in your body gives you more space to experience pleasure. When you are um, thinking about a whole bunch of other stuff, you worried about the laundry that needs to be folded, the paper you got to write, the uh, grocery shopping that needs to be done, you're not in mm-hmm. your body to experience pleasure. And so part of being comfortable with your body helps with that mindfulness part, that, that part of just, just really being present in the moment. So all of that is, is, is what helps to be comfortable in your body and be at home in your body. In addition to promoting positive body image, um, how important is it for people, especially women, to put themselves first? Ooh. <laughs> so I think that cause, cause right. that's a lot. I think that I was talking to my homie. She's a, a wonderful sexuality therapist. Um, but I was talking to her yesterday and um, we were talking about how a lot of times people will glorify mm. martyrdom. They'll glorify, um, you know, self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is like you can you can sacrifice yourself and make sure everybody else has what they need but who's making sure you have what you need where are your needs getting met and it's just important that because like yes of course you may have to put someone else's needs before yours I think that's part of relationships but there has to be Yes, exactly. There has to be trust that that person is going to make sure you have what you need. And then if that trust is not there or or you're not, you know, in that type of situation, then you have to make sure that your needs mm-hmm. are met. People look at being they look at it as being selfish and I look at it as self-preservation. Okay. I know yeah. a lot of people, including myself, stay in destructive relationships and there can be so many reasons, especially just being comfortable. So what do you say to that? Because I know you did mm-hmm. a blog post on that. And I was like, facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of times people are, um, they stay for mm-hmm. comfort. They stay because it's what I know. And not being in this uh, destructive situation. I don't know what that's like. And unfortunately, a lot of people have been taught the idea of at least I'm with somebody Mm. like that. That is what gives me value because somebody wants me. At least I'm with somebody Um, when it is important that you don't uh, define yourself by the roles that you play for other people, because those roles can change. I think about how uh, when my husband passed away, one of the biggest things that I had to do was to learn to define myself for myself outside of the roles that I play for Mm. people. Because 
for um we were together seven years before we got married and then we were the, we were married for almost mm-hmm. four years and um so for that long I was Alan's girlfriend then Alan's fiance then Alan's wife then all of a sudden I wasn't mm-hmm. none of that and so I had to make sure that I defined myself for not just by the role that I played with someone else. So making sure that you have that um, differentiation, that identity outside of what you do for others, because what you do, you know, the, the saying what you do for Christ will last. And I agree with that. But you still got to figure out who you are outside of what you do for others. You have to. It's imperative because those roles change. Did his passing change your thoughts or your ideas on certain things especially when it pertains to your job oh I can yeah imagine. it changed yeah. a lot oh yeah yeah so like specifically because I provide sex therapy from a Christian perspective I felt that me being married gave me legitimacy in certain wow. circles you know, because it was like, oh, she can talk about sex because she's married. And then I wasn't. And it's like, oh, well, people still accept mm. me. And, you know, so like that was one thing that I had to kind of grapple with and deal with. Um, also, the idea that God has one person for you. And if you, and you know, if you are blessed enough to find that one person, you hold on to them, y'all get married, y'all have a couple of kids and y'all together for 50 years. I ain't had it. And so I really had to like, go back and think, okay, honestly, I had a real honest conversation with God. I was like, look, I'm too young and too okay, fine for this to be shit. it. Get it off. Get it off. Look, sorry, God. I don't want to be personal. <laughs> No, that's all right. He know how you talk. You good. (laughs) Right. And so I really had to, um, had to really like wrestle with that. Do you only have one true love or one soulmate? And, and I, um, I really like changed my ideas on a lot of things, not just how I do work, but, um, also it, as a person, I, um, would talk to my friends and uh, just talk about how I used to be really annoyed with myself with how much my personality has changed uh, since Alan died. And uh, like at the core of who I am, I'm still who I am, but there are certain things that have, that have changed. And uh, my boyfriend was like, you know, uh, you thought, you you lost the person you thought you were yeah. going to spend the rest of your life with. It's nor it, it's normal that your personality would change. And I was like, you know, in my head, I was like, see, that's why okay. you my boo, right there. We love an understanding <laughs> man. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I really, yeah, I'm I'm really blessed to have wow. him in my life. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't even think about all that. Wow, that's definitely life changing. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, the PSG podcast is sponsored by Ebony Beauty. Ebony Beauty is a beauty company that I founded and our very first product is our beautiful mink lashes that you can wear up to 25 times. Yes, 25 times with the proper care. Um, for more information, visit ebonebeauty.com. Use code PSG10 to receive some coins off at checkout. And trust me, y'all, these lashes are really beautiful. Like, I have been receiving nothing but really good reviews on them. So make sure you go to the web- website, Ebony Beauty, use the code, and let's get back to this week's episode.
So how important is it to have a healthy sex life? Because a lot of people don't really care to have sex. So here's the thing. It's important to understand what healthy sex looks to you. What what does it look like to you? Because you have some people who are asexual who are not interested in having, you know, and there are even variations within being asexual. They may not be physically, um, you know, wanting to be with someone, but then they may be romantically attracted. Mm. So just really, really understanding what healthy sex looks like to you and being good on defining that, you know, and um, standing on that, on that definition that you have for yourself. Do you think sex plays a big part in a relationship? It definitely can. Oh, it definitely Mm -hmm. can. Um, I think about, so there's a show on HBO that's real popular that um, <laughs> let me guess um, it starts with an I <laughs> it starts with an I yes and I think about the main character and her ex-boyfriend and how a big part of their relationship dealt with not having mm-hmm. sex and when they were having a conversation that was um, a good episode she brought it mm-hmm. was that was but she brought that up she was like we weren't even having sex um, and you sitting at home and I'm not even getting that. But then I remember at the end of the season, like he was giving it to a uh, bank teller. Listen, back. They always you know, do. he, they, you know what I'm saying? So um, just, just thinking about how a lot of times sex can be the barometer of the relationship where it, it really tells the temperature um, where it's it's kind of like a a symptom of maybe a larger issue. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I'm thinking of a couple that I've seen that that came in um, because they weren't having sex, and when we got down to it, they just had a baby. They weren't making they weren't prioritizing their relationship so as important. a couple. Yeah, they were they were parents, and you got to take care of the child. But sometimes you got to get a babysitter so you can go and be a couple. And once they were able to really learn to balance that and find time to prioritize themselves as a couple and prioritize their relationship, things got back on track. Um, There was there wasn't any um, any uh, issues as far as the relationship per se, like they loved each other and had, you know, serious respect for each other. And um, like, that wasn't the issue. It was just, they weren't prioritizing their relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, But then others where other people have come to me for um, that they have lower sex drive Mm -hmm. and, turns out it's not just that they're not interested in sex they're not interested in sex with their partner because it's something going on with that relationship so um yeah it can be it's kind of like the tip of the iceberg because it's it's, it may show up as a sexual dysfunction or a sexual problem when underneath the surface you've got all these other things to deal with so I think in um, 
prioritizing sex, it helps you to deal with all of the other issues that may cause a lack. Yeah, if I stop having sex with you, that means like I'm kind of like over it. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's a clear indicator that yeah. something ain't right. <laughs> right, right, right. But a lot of times because it's communication is hard and it and it calls for vulnerability. Mm. And unfortunately, a lot of times look at vulnerability as weakness. Mm-hmm. Or not even looking at it as a weakness, but they don't feel safe to be vulnerable. Do I feel safe to share with you how I really feel? Right. Are you going to judge me? Are you going to hold it against Throw me? Throw it in my face. Um, and so, yeah, all mm-hmm. of that. All of that. And so if I don't feel safe enough to be vulnerable to share with you my concerns, I may not have sex with you because I don't feel Safe. safe enough to be vulnerable you know That's yeah all of it. so yeah. when do you think is the best time to communicate with your partner on how you feel and how you like to be pleased and stuff like that before you have sex mm. so I think a lot of times people um don't have these conversations because they feel awkward right but if you notice, if you, let's say you're talking to somebody and, and there are different types of relationships, right? Like you may have somebody who's just your jump off. Um, <laughs> but even still, even still, I think it's important to have these conversations because you need to negotiate, you know, are we using condoms? Are we going to be fluid bonded? Um, are there other forms of birth control that we're using? Like th- these different conversations are important. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you are with somebody just for a sexual experience or if you're looking to have a different type of relationship with them. And so unfortunately, a lot of times people don't have these conversations outside of the bedroom or wherever you're having but sex. How so? Because I think you should have it. So, I, you know, it's just really, um, once you see that sex is, coming up on the table damn really <laughs> I, th- I think so I think so because like I think about like you may go on a date with somebody and be like oh this ain't it this ain't happening so you may not need to you know have that conversation but if you are you know building something or even if you go on a date and it's like this may happen um you know and before you go wherever you're going it's like, okay, so do you have condoms? Mm-hmm. Okay, I do. Do you, how you feel about lube? What are, what are some things that you're not interested in? What are some things on you are interested date? in? All right, let's go. It depends on the situation. Right. So like, if you know, because like some, you, sometimes you know what you're going for. Mm. Sometimes you know you going to dinner to get to know somebody. And see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Other times, you know, you going to hook up with somebody. Right. So if you know what, because you know, if y'all, if y'all uh, talking shit before you get, I mean, you know what I'm right. saying? Like, you know, it's building up to that. Yeah, I'm gonna ask you a question. But I'm gonna ask uh, you a question off the air. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't be letting people know my All business. Right. <laughs> that's all right that's all right i got you so i'm assuming you think that no strings attached don't work pretty much 
I I don't know. I don't know. Um, The reason why I say I don't know is because I think that people can have different types of sexual experiences to fulfill needs. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I think that sex can still be a spiritually fulfilling experience, even with someone you're not in relationship with? Yes. However, what I think is necessary is complete honesty on everybody's part. You cannot say, oh, I'm just going to have no strings attached sex, but like in the back of your head saying, but I'm really, I'm really singing Missy song, Pussy Don't Fail Me Now. Yo, like you can't. You know, I, <laughs> <laughs> I got to really call you after this. <laughs> like, you know, it, it can't be that. It has to be, I know what this is. And I'm accepting of what this is and I'm good with that. But there can't be any hidden agenda because if there's hidden agenda, then you're going to have the problems. Then you're going to be Jasmine Sullivan busting windows out of cars. Um, So I I love music. That's why I got all these references. Um, But but, I mean, it's, it's so important that you are honest with yourself and you're honest with your partner at the time about what it is and what it ain't Mm. and like I said a lot of times people will go into situations like okay I'm gonna have sex with him I know he said that um he not looking for a relationship but he gonna see how fly I am and I've been doing kegels so it's gonna be good and he gonna want to be with me right like it don't work like that boo it really don't you know yeah, so you, you just got to be real honest. And um, although those are the pronouns I was using, I don't want people to think that, you they know, go for the niggas um, too, I'm y'all. They go for the niggas too. Yeah. Like er- everybody can get it. <laughs> everybody can get it. Um, and, and I think it's important to understand that we all be tripping sometimes and are not completely honest about what it is that we want and what we need. So, like, your original question like yeah I think no strings attached sex can be if that's what you're needing and if that's what you're wanting but you have to be 100 mm-hmm. like straight up you got to be straight up and honest about it Child, the teeth. <laughs> all right so the million dollar question that all the niggas want to know <laughs> you already know what it is I love, I love, I love the niggas Listen, I okay. love the niggas too <laughs> What is some advice on how to make a woman orgasm? Ask her what she wants. That's what I said. Like, honestly, there is no, and that's, that's a question that I get a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, I saw that. How, how can I, yeah. How can I make my girlfriend come ask her what she wants? Because every person with a vulva is different Mm -hmm. and, and everyone likes things to be touched differently. Like I said, most folks with vulva need some type of direct clitoral stimulation, but there are some folks with vulvas who, who feel that that direct stimulation is too much. So what worked for one person may not work for another. So just be like, Hey, what is it that you like? Do you like when I touch you here? Um, Do you not like when I touch you there? Um, But just like that open and honest communication that that's it. Right. I agree that. Yeah. So do you think there is still a negative connotation with masturbation? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, a lot of that negative connotation comes from, um, whether it's from faith communities, like I remember people bringing up the scripture of, uh, you know, spilling your seed. And, mm. okay. Spill, yeah. So like, give, give, them, give them a little background on that scripture. <laughs> yeah. So the, the problem, God did not have the problem that he spilled a seed. The problem came in that he disobeyed God right? Mm. Um, Because he was supposed to impregnate his um, deceased brother's wife to continue the bloodline. Like he was upset at his disobedience, not at his seed being spilled. So um, people will take that as a reason why Christians uh, shouldn't masturbate. I'm like, nah, boo, that ain't it. That ain't it. Um, And so that's part of it. But then also the idea that your genitals are dirty for whatever reason. Um, But it goes back to that platonic and neoplatonic thought that like, if you separate from your body, then you're closer to God, Um, which is not something I agree with, but I understand like how we adopted that because that was the thought at the time that our faith was being shared with the world. So um, yeah, with that idea, And then also another thing that I was thinking of is that people think that if you're partnered, then you shouldn't have solo sex. And I believe that solo sex can remain a fruitful um, part of your own sexuality, even if you are in a partnered relationship, whether you're married or Mm -hmm. living with a partner, not living with a partner, just got a boo that you call all the time, whatever. I think the solo sex should remain a part of your own sexual expression, whether you're partnered or not. Um, But yeah, there are a lot of reasons why people um, have this negative idea or negative connotation about solo sex. I think people look at it as um, like you're desperate, like you can't even be, you know, have partnered sex. And it's like, nah, I just like, it feels good. That's just it. If you don't know your body, how you want somebody else to know your body? That part too, that part too. But like orgasms are great. They're great right. stress reliever. And then sometimes you just want to knock one out and go to sleep, you know, <laughs> that, and, and that's okay. That is perfectly okay. But, um, but all of those other things that I mentioned, like that, that combines to make the idea of solo sex, not, not good within some circles. Um now, this is a crazy and a funny question because I feel like people be trying and doing the most. But can you please explain to people why it is important to be realistic when watching porn and trying to imitate what they see? <laughs> Girl, listen. First of all, they do not show the preparation listen. that goes into those actors. Okay, so porn is entertainment. They are, you know, holding their bodies a certain way so you can see certain things. It don't happen like that in real life. You don't know and the yoga and, you know, all the stuff that went into them being able to hold their body this certain way. They didn't show you the water breaks. They didn't show you the breaks to apply lube. They didn't Mm -hmm. show you the preparation that they did for anal sex. Like, you cannot, it's some stuff that you can't do like without preparation. Right. And within porn, 
they don't show it. So if you're looking at it and understanding this is entertainment, this is just, uh, you know, for me to get what I need and move on to the next, cool. I, and, and I think that porn can be educational, you know, in, in some senses. Like it can give you some ideas of what you might like, what you might not like. However, if you're looking at it as... Um, if that's your only sex education, then we need to introduce you to the world of Google since it's still free and like mm-hmm. take you to some sites that have like real um, good information for sexuality education because that ain't it. Right. <laughs> you can, you can, yeah, uh, you can learn some good stuff from porn, but it's not the end all be all say all because it's performative. They Mm -hmm. are performing for you. And if you try to do some of that stuff with your partner, you might get kicked in the neck because you ain't asked them (laughs) if that's what they want. You know, you just stick in biggest places. They're like, wait, I ain't in all that. Like you that's why you gotta have conversations. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, a lot of my guests and listeners are survivors of sexual assault. So what mm-hmm. is some advice you would give to them about moving forward so they can they too can enjoy sex? I think um, learning your body and different triggers uh, that may inhibit you from remaining in your body. A lot of times survivors of trauma have learned to dissociate uh, during painful things just just to survive mm-hmm. as a, a surviving tactic. Um, but part of having good sex is being able to be fully present in your body. So like, if you know that a certain touch makes you feel a certain way, like really communicating with your partner about that. Um, also, um, talking with a good therapist that can help you process any trauma that Mm -hmm. you may still have related to that. Um, that is incredibly important so that you can reclaim your own sexuality for yourself. Um, I think that, uh, there are a lot of really good therapists who work on, um, work on dealing with the trauma. However, they may not take it that further step of reclaiming your sexuality, uh, for mm-hmm. yourself. And so that's kind of what I, what I help people, what I help people work on. Um, Yeah. What about the what about the survivors that experience sexual assault from the same sex and now they question their um sexuality? Mm, yeah. So right? yeah. So what research has shown is that um people who identify along the LGBTQIA spectrum, they even if they are survivors of some type of sexual trauma they identified that way before or had thoughts, even if they didn't fully identify, but they had thoughts of attraction to um, the same gender before the trauma occurred. And so, um, you know, the body is weird in that an orgasm Mm -hmm. is a, it's a, it's a physiological response. And so even if you were experiencing abuse that you did not want your body may still respond in a certain way and it feels confusing um Mm -hmm. and so I don't think that it's um a bad thing to question that but I do think that it's important to understand that if you 
are attracted to someone of the same gender, it's not necessarily because of that trauma. It may just because that's what you're attracted to, but then working with the therapist to kind of delineate those things and understand that it, it wasn't because of that, but that just may be who you're attracted to. Um, in addition, I have a lot of male listeners that are survivors as well. Mm-hmm. So what are some common problems for male survivors and how can they overcome it? Oh, man, so many. I know, right? Yeah, I'm just thinking about the idea of toxic masculinity. And I was talking mm-hmm. with um, my homie about that song, uh, Just Can't Handle It. I'm, I can't was it high five the group that did that song but anyway it was uh in the 90s <laughs> and so part of the verse said i was only 16 she was 25 mm. and i'm thinking about how often boys are victims of sexual abuse but it's the idea that you should want these sexual advances from older women and if you don't want them something is wrong with you and then I'm going to question duality and so um a lot of times people may have to grapple and wrestle with those ideas that um I didn't want this and it's okay that I didn't want it even though society may have told me that I should have enjoyed this Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, toxic masculinity and like women can be uh, purporters and supporters of toxic, toxic masculinity too. But just this idea that um, because it was offered to me or not even offered, but like pushed on me that I should have mm-hmm. won because I'm a man and this is what man, men or boys do or want. And, yeah, and especially that's what they taught at a young age. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and it, it's just, uh, it, it's really challenging because I'm thinking about how so many people, um, specifically like uh, current uh, popular artists have talked about various experiences they've had, you know, but they don't refer to them as rape or as sexual assault because mm-hmm. in that if they do then that makes them weak mm-hmm. it makes me a victim of something as opposed to a survivor of something right so yeah well last but not least because I have really enjoyed this conversation I'm like ugh, like you have a new follower supporter all of the above <laughs> thank you thank yeah. you so we have a lot going on in the world between coronavirus I mean, racism always been here, protests, mm-hmm. just people losing their jobs, people lost loved ones. Um, what are some advice you would give to the listeners out there on maintaining a fulfilling sex life? Audre Lorde talks about how self-care is not self-indulgence, but it is self-preservation. It is an act of political warfare. In prioritizing your pleasure, in finding ways to experience beautiful Black joy, okay. you, listen, you may not, your, your place in the movement may not be as a frontline protester. However, your self-preservation, 
your experience and joy in this moment, your thriving is an act of political warfare. So mm. get you some good orgasms <laughs> when you, you Listen. know, when you feel right. But like that is that that's something I think. Um, and, and I think it's important to fight. I think it's important to be out there and I support I, I support a, a movements in, in a lot of different ways. Um, but for me to like one one uh, very sensual thing that I did for myself was I made brownies from scratch. And mm-hmm. so sensual in the sense of like just my senses, um, mixing the batter, smelling them as they baked, putting my fleur de sel on top. And then like mm-hmm. when I took a bite, really being present and what that what that felt like in my mouth is it gooey I got I got the crunchy corner and then I got Mm -hmm. that little of the salt where did I feel that on my tongue like different sensual experiences like that not necessarily just sex but just understanding that as a sensual being surviving this and giving giving yourself space to experience joy in minor and seemingly minor things that can mm-hmm. be political warfare. And that is something that can be um, helping to push you forward and, and surviving and thriving in this current situation. Because it's hard out here. Listen, I'm not going to lie. Because it, it's been so much stuff going on and I'm like super mm-hmm. emo. Like all I want to mm-hmm. do is be under a man. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's all I've been thinking about. It's like, I, yo, feel like you. I need to smell a man. Like, I need to be under one. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. But um, my homie, um, and I mentioned her. I didn't mention her by name, but uh, her name is Dr. Lex Brown James. And uh, she put on social media that trauma bonding is real. And mm-hmm. um, it's important that during this time, Specifically, if you meet somebody on the front line, you know, y'all may bond and uh, get up under each other. And that's okay. But understand (laughs) that you may be bonding because of what you're experiencing right now. Mm. This movement is over what you got. That doesn't mean that you're not going to, you know, survive a relationship after this. But just be real mindful that you know, emotions are high and, and you may bond from this experience and just being honest about what things are. Mm-hmm. You know, again, not singing Missy's song in the back of your head, but just <laughs> understanding <laughs> just understanding what it is and, and let it be that. Nah, I am so appreciative of you coming onto the show. Like this has been such a good conversation. Like, oh, I just learned so much that I'm gonna talk to you about after the show (laughs) if y'all have any questions comments or concerns uh wait i know you're based out in st louis so do you take virtual uh consultation calls or like phone calls yeah so i'm licensed in missouri to do uh therapy so i can only provide therapy for missouri residents um however i do still answer like general questions i'm not doing uh therapy for somebody who lives in another state because i'm not trying to lose my license however um like just a general question i can answer Mm -hmm. all right y'all well listen don't get my girl caught up okay 
<laughs> but if y'all have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email me at hello at the PACpodcast.com. And, you know, go bust an orgasm tonight after you listen to this episode, courtesy of me and my guest. <laughs> and, <until laughs> right <next on>. <laughs> and until next time, later. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.